Hello, Herd. This is your Herd leader, John Wayne. And this is your Herd mom, Megan. And welcome to episode two of our Clone Wars rewatch. We've made it this far. It's not very far. It's not stopping (laughs) now. No. Can't stop, won't stop. Might Um, stop. (laughs) Might stop for a break. Uh, For a breather. Uh, So... Episode two. So last week we started our rewatch and we started our rewatch a little differently than probably expected. We started with the 2003 series instead of the 2008 series because I felt like it was very underrated and underwatched and a little unknown to a lot of people. And so actually a lot of people, as we've kind of talked about it and talked about our show about it, mm-hmm. I found even more people that just did not know it was a thing. Yeah. Did they not watch Toonami at all? Well, I mean, most people would have had an excuse of... It was was weird to have a Star Wars show at that point kind of thing. Yeah. Um, You know, so it kind of was off radar for a lot of people. But that's why I wanted to kind of come... uh, Bring some attention to it because I think it's a great show. Uh, I think we've enjoyed watching it. Um, I know I've enjoyed uh, watching it. I've enjoyed too. Good. That's kind of the point. Well, and even if you didn't, that'd make just for interesting discussion. Because I'm sure there'll be episodes of the other series that will kind of have different fence lines about. Um, yes. But I just really wanted to make sure that we kind of cast a light on this uh, little nugget of a series, this beautiful little hidden gem. Um, and so last week we did the majority of season one. We did the main story of season one that centers around Ventress being recruited and uh, the Battle of Munalist and we had Dirge show up and Anakin fought uh, Ventress on Yavin and then that's where... You're off a cliff. Yes. (laughs) In anger. Um, He does that a lot. And so that's kind of where we ended there. We have a few episodes from the first season uh, that we didn't talk about because they were just kind of extra and I didn't want to take away from the the main series uh and so we have a few from season one and then the entirety of season two to talk about and um just kind of break down and review and get our thoughts pick our brains and such i'd rather not okay maybe no brain picking uh but definitely discussing yes That was an awkward pause because <laughs> I thought I pressed the stop recording button and I didn't. Let's try that again. Only the finest music production here at Nerd Herder. <laughs> um, that's the beauty of Anchor. We get to record in segments and then just kind of chop them together uh, to create a full show so that you guys can jump around to what you like. Uh, the awkward part is, is if you don't stop recording when you thought you did, you kind of just get that awkward pause. Or if you start recording without letting your wife know, then she sings, I'm a little teapot. And- you should have been paying attention. <laughs> that's that. That's the risk. Whatever you do, every everything is content, Megan. What? Follow us on Patreon for that. Yeah, that, that'll definitely show up on Patreon. That was fun. Yeah. Um, all right, so... The episodes that we watched for this show were, uh, well, I say episodes, they're called chapters, but they're essentially episodes, but uh, chapters 5, 12, 
13, 14, 15, 16, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, and 25. <gasps> it sounds like a lot, but uh, keep in mind that uh, the first few are only five minutes, to, uh, three to five minutes long, and uh, 21 to 25 are about 12 minutes long. So really not that big much and honest and the whole series uh season one and season two are only two hours long so that essentially you could sit down and watch them as a film and do um and yeah definitely check it out you can find it all over youtube thank goodness um there are dvds out there but it don't you know. don't pirate it's like the old uh commercials used to say you wouldn't steal a car you wouldn't steal a puppy was that a thing Yes. Oh. Like, didn't you watch DVDs in, like, the early 2000s? Yeah, some. But I just remember that blue screen that would have the guide now coming to DVD. Or, like, <laughs> D- uh, VHS and DVD or something like that. That was the loudest thing in the world. Yeah. Just, um, like, ugh, goes from complete quiet to, now coming soon to own on DVD and VHS. <laughs> like, Jeez, Louise. Well, the good boy. news is you can own the Clone Wars on yes. DVD uh, if you if you so choose. But I recommend checking it out on YouTube first. If, see if you like it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can definitely sit down with it for a couple of hours and watch it. It's it's definitely worth it in our opinion. Uh, so, but what? So first up, we have uh, the Battle of Moncala, um, and this is Chapter Five. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one chapter uh, kind of sequence battle thing. And so uh, the episode opens uh, and we see that the Quarren Isolation League has joined Dooku and are causing some trouble for the planet uh, and for their co-inhabitors, uh, the Mon Calamari. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we get, when we, when we come into the scene, we get a pretty overwhelming amount of ships which just seems to be the style of the show it it's, it's constantly bothered me where it's just like uh we've got a hundred ships coming out of the the uh uh out of orbit it's like no we need a thousand it's just like you know what did lafayette come in did he go back to france with more funds and come back with more guns and ships and so the balance shifts keep your hamilton to yourself i will not <laughs> um it just, uh, it, they just seem to be like constantly like more ships, more ships. We need more ships. Um, especially, uh, later on when we see the battle of Coruscant, there's like way more ships than there would have actually been, uh, battling in the orbit. But we get a ton of ships that land, uh, the Eclameter, uh, class ships. And, uh, we see that, uh, the Jedi tasked with aiding the Mon Calamari is Kit Fisto. Yeah, um, the cool and beloved fishy dude. Very cool, very very beloved. Yes, um, and so he deploys with a ton of scuba troopers in, 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 underwater, which is just a fun thing to say. Scuba trooper. Scuba trooper. Uh, so the the Moncala city or what? Well, I, I I don't really. I'm not really sure exactly what was the deal, but the, everything was underwater. Presence so, blub blub. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> they, so 
Fisto goes in with his scuba troopers down to the ocean floor, and that's pretty much where the whole episode takes place as they kind of battle the droids and uh, the – I know the Moncala show up. I don't remember if the Quarren show up. I don't think so. I think it's just droids yeah. versus the Moncala and the scuba troopers and Fisto. Very little dialogue in this episode. Yeah, really the only thing is Yoda at the beginning where he's talking about, like, Kit Fisto, you have to do this. You have to help our friends. <laughs> Kit Fisto, go do a thing. Go do a thing. Uh, a thing you will do. I'm pretty sure, I, I think that's the only dialogue, save from a couple of, like, cheers at the end from, like, when they uh, knock over the crab droid. <laughs> Which I love. I love the crab droid. Which, uh, it's, it's, it's just crab tank. Crab droid is a different thing. Crab, crab tank. Um, so, but... The idea of, I mean, you're talking about Star Wars. You're talking about space. And the space idea Wars, of yes. having a water battle is really cool. It's yeah. really different. I mean, yeah. And, and of course, there's only one fish Jedi. There's only one aqua Jedi. And so. Is that accurate? No, that's not accurate. But the only one that matters, <laughs> the only one that matters is Kit Fisto. So, of course, wow. he gets chosen for the, the mission. Wow. Um, but. Which, what is, what is Kit Fisto's race again? Nautilin. Like a Nautilus. See, you, I you went that, that way. I that earlier. You went that way. I went like the measurement of knots. Yeah. Like 80 knots or whatever. I, I, boat people. Tell me if that's, that's right. I'm too lazy to Google it. Um, um, people who like bivalves. Tell me if I'm right. <laughs> uh, it's a crab thing, right? It's a, it's a crab it's, squid creature. It's kind of like a mix between a shrimp and a clam. Okay. See, you would you would know that. I, the The beauty is it could be both. It could either be all. way. Both have to do with water. So he's clearly he's a naughty boy. <laughs> uh, I don't. I wouldn't use that, but you could. I wouldn't. Um, but the idea of water combat that that was really cool. I remember as a kid watching this, or when I was younger watching this. It was um, it was pretty interesting. I, I remember enjoying that. Uh, I know I had the scuba trooper figure and I had oh, a Kit Fisto figure. Like they specifically made a Kit Fisto figure without a shirt. And the funny thing <laughs> is, is that figure came in a two pack with He's a droid. Too sexy for his shirt. Yeah. Too sexy for his um, shirt. But it was like, you know, he was. He came packaged with some green droid because he's green. His droid has to be green, whatever. Of course. Um, but it was just like, why, why, why shirtless? I mean, I get the reference. I get where you uh, are. You got the inspiration for the figure, but why include him with a droid? Because. Like, does the droid hold his, hold his robe or yes. whatever? Like, his name is Robert. Robert. <laughs> um, You're welcome. So this could this episode could have likely inspired. Uh, there's a Moncala arc of episodes in the next series as well, and both of which involve a shirtless Kit Fisto. He really is too sexy for his shirt, like um, seriously. But the 2008 series uh, had other Jedi, uh, Anakin and Ahsoka, I believe, were also there, and Padme. Um, so Kit Fisto wasn't riding solo that time. And, and also the, the story of this, the 2008 series was much more filled out. It was a very political um, kind of storyline. Whereas here it's basically just like, bad guys, go fix it. Yeah. Which, I mean, you don't really have room for more when your episode's only four minutes long. Yeah. 
Um, Which I think that's why I liked Clone Wars for a little bit there. It's like the episodes are so good, short. Good for your attention span. Um, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, but I I like that both had to have their obligatory underwater episodes. Of course. Uh, both are equally very good, in my opinion. Um, fun fact I included, because I remember it from a reference book back in the day. Uh, it used to be in Legends very significant that Fisto could use his saber underwater because it involved the use of a second crystal, a second special crystal to allow it to work underwater. Um, but I don't believe that's the case in canon because, again, I think in the Clone Wars arc, uh, Ahsoka and Anakin go underwater with their lightsabers just fine. So it just seems to be, like, normal. I hey, guess. Hey, physics people. Can lightsabers be underwater? Like, would you hear that? Or is it like in space, no one can hear you? I think you could. I think you could hear it. I mean, if you take something that makes noise underwater, you can hear it. It's just very muffled. It's a bubble. It's a very different sound, but it's still a sound. President Blub Blub would be proud. <laughs> uh, hashtag President Blub Blub. Admiral uh, <laughs> Akbar, President Blub Blub. So he was, uh, he was Nothing but a general. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't political. He was a general. Yes. Uh, general blah, blah. I can't remember. I think it's Prince Lichar was in charge after his dad died. And oh. that's, that's in the 2008 series. Well then. Yep. Um, so yeah, so the, the Quarren, the big bad of this episode essentially is the crab cannon tank or crab cannon. Sorry. I added tank, uh, the crab cannon. And so, which just sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> just shooting crabs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have the droids on their speeders. You have the scuba troopers with their like uh, underwater jetpack things. Yeah. Uh, but then all of a sudden, this thing comes out and just starts blowing things up and yeah. uh, destroying ships. It's probably like my favorite episode of the Clone Wars that I've seen. Is this episode that we're talking about? Really? Yeah. Like I really liked it for some reason. Kit Fisto. Yes. That's all the reason you need. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting uh, how he took it down. He really, It really wasn't that difficult. He used uh, the Force to create bubble projectiles. Which is cool. Yeah, so it basically he created Force cannonballs and uh, took out the thing's legs. And then the Moncala came riding in on eels and pushed it down a chasm. And then it was done. And, and Kit Fisto smiled, as one do, when the job is good done. Yes, as one do. Um, fun fact, my mom, she could never remember Kit Fisto's name, but she <laughs> loved him because of that scene in Attack of the Clones where he pushes down, uh, C-3PO and then smiles. She just <laughs> used to call him Smiley Aww. all the time. Uh, such a mom thing. Yeah. And then, and it was, and it was made better because all the time that, that became a thing is Kit Fisto would always smile. Yeah. Like, and he always had the best smile. He was the best <laughs> smiling Jedi. You know for a fact that he recognized C-3PO's head and it was just like, oh. Not necessarily. Oh. <laughs> Remember, he, they had just gotten C-3PO off of Tatooine. Oh, true. So he probably just thought it was like, all right, defect, but get out of my way. Woo! <laughs> and then, I you mean. fly, boy? I think he just got a kick out of just, like, knocking over droids. As one do. I mean, the Gungans enjoyed it in Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Man. But interestingly enough, when looking up some info for the episode, uh, this apparently was just a small-scale victory, uh, but not the final battle of Mon Cala. In another story of Legends, the Jedi Order sent Kit Fisto back, because again, you only have one fish boy. Yep. Um, he returned to Dak 
I did not know until the recording of this episode that was the real name of the planet Moncala. Dak. Dak. Uh, the the one planet that could take on the entire empire by themselves. Some people are not going to get that reference. Um, <laughs> they sent him back to Dak. Back to Dak. Upon okay. discovering that the corn, this is listen to the uh, the corn isolation league had become, uh, had come back under being, under new leadership of strange jellyfish-like creatures known as Moapa. Uh, these beings grouped together <laughs> to become one great beast possessing superlative intelligence and the power of telepathy. I'm pretty sure that's an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> uh, Fisto defeated this being by scattering the individual creatures throughout the waters. Uh, Fisto later forged a new accord on the world that led to the Quarren and Moncala representation in the Galactic Senate. So basically, he like, created world peace. Like that is for legit. The, fish people. the first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Encounter <laughs> at Farpoint. I would no. I would not know. No wait. Is it far? Is it Farpoint? Hello, Greedo would know. He's a big. He's a big trekkie. Hey, hello, Greedo. Is it? No, it's Q's first episode. As if he's listening to our podcast. What is Q's first episode? What? I don't know why you're asking me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm talking out loud. I'm talking to the people. Uh, well, they're not talking back because it's a microphone. Talk to me on Twitter. Like, help, 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 please. help, help. Um, but uh, yeah, weird, weird concept. But uh, yeah. that's pretty much the episode. You know, Kit Fisto cleans up pretty well. Uh, the you know, and fish boy abs. <laughs> so it's all kind of taken care of and uh, wrapped up. So, but definitely a fun episode. I enjoy Kit Fisto. Um, I loved his appearances uh, in the next series. And it's really interesting. And, you know, me having seen both series, seeing the kind of connective tissues between the two. Mm -hmm. uh, and it'll be interesting to see how you kind of, what you think. So, you know, especially since this was like your favorite episode. I'm not saying that it's because... It's going to be another underwater episode, but it'd be interesting since this was your favorite to see how it stacks to the 2008 series. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Any other fishy comments? What do you call a fish with no eyes? A fish. <laughs> and on that note. All right. Chapter 12 and 13. So this is the Dantooine super weapon yes. episodes, as I've chosen to title them, because what we come into here is another uh, largely silent episode. In fact, yeah. uh, it's a sequence uh, that we see Mace Windu leading troops against a droid army on the farm planet, only to have it turn tides when a droid super weapon shows up. And I actually, super weapon is not the right term for it and no. i only came across that after researching the episode um because in, until researching this episode i did not know where the heck or why they had this thing so because the empire loves super weapons even before it was the empire i mean yeah when you get into legends there's so many they freaking love super weapons it's just a good story element you just have the big bad thing that's impossible to beat but somehow our heroes do it um, but yeah, so it was kind of a learning experience on this one where it was like, huh, makes sense. Uh, they, but we'll get there. Interesting thing about this one is, uh, in both Legends and Canon Clone Wars, Mace is involved in, extens in an extensive battle on Dantooine. We see it 
in this ep- these episodes in Legends, but in canon, it's only mentioned. Um, and it's just this weird, interesting little similarity. So again, in the last one, we had a Moncala episode here. We have a Moncala uh, episodes in the next one. He- and yet again, here we have Mace on Dantooine. And in the next one, that's still there. Dantooine just sounds like somebody's name. Yeah, Dantooine. That's Tat's brother, Dan. <laughs> well, it was funny. It was really confusing because when I first watched the uh, A New Hope, um, I thought she had said Tatooine. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, they were so similarly named. I thought that she had talked about Tatooine. So for the longest, I thought um, that they had, uh, well, not that they blew up Tatooine, but um, that they were, there was rebels there. Yeah. Um, so really confusing to me as a kid. Uh, but apparently it, yeah, it, that was its first appearance though, as a planet, I believe is in reference to a new hope, (laughs) but it's a farm planet. Um, all like, seriously, all of the outer rim planets look exactly the same. (laughs) Well, they all look there. It's like the South where all Souths, All all South States, Southern. Yes. Um, have parts that are all, Everywhere. Like, everyone has something that's like every other southern state. Yeah. But they also have their different parts that make them unique. And I think that's kind of like what the Outer Rim planets are like. Yeah. It's like the difference between Florida and Savannah. Like, there's palm trees everywhere for some reason, even when you're not near the beach. Yeah, so it's it's very transitional, the the differences. It's very regional. Um, Can you tell we're from Georgia? (laughs) (laughs) Most probably didn't even know that. Hey, we're from Georgia. There you go. Well, you are. I'm from North Carolina. And just a little bit of everywhere. Just a little bit. I've never. (laughs) We're getting off track. We're getting Um, off track. Anyway, so the reason that we get the uh, seismic tank, that's what it's called. Uh, The appearance of that is because Dooku sent the droid army there looking for Rakata artifacts on the planet. He loves cheese. Not cheese. Uh, this was a species that were created for the KOTOR games, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, the Rakata, also known as the Builders, were a humanoid species with distinctive amphibian features. They were a technologically advanced race that developed early in galactic history, even developing some early hyperdrive technology. Long-term use of the dark side for their species corrupted them as a society and turned them into a race of merciless warriors. The Rakata used their potent force-powered technology to conquer and enslave every other species they came across throughout their known galaxy. So these were a big bad uh, featured in the KOTOR series. And so Dooku was hoping, similar to how Palpatine was looking for Jedi stuff up to the events of like, the uh, Galactic Empire yeah. and such. Dooku, I guess they were looking for some artifacts to help in their efforts of the war or more than like, I mean, again, Palpatine's a collector, so it could have been at the behest of Palpatine yeah. that, you know, find these things, they'll help us win the war and then they'll look good on my mantle. Basically, like Palpatine loves just like having decorations everywhere. Well, it really shows how he thinks of everything as an artifact. He th- yeah. he, he views this Jedi as something to collect. <laughs> You know, um, you know, as something gotta catch to, them all, gotta catch them all. <laughs> uh, and so he he kind of has this objective personality of, mm-hmm. you know, the Jedi are nothing more for, than something to hang on my wall and talk about when friends come over. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
This is Kid Fisto. He's shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he shirtless? Just because. because. <laughs> it's like that one uh, toy I have. It's my favorite Star Wars figure. It's just Luke in like... Oh, in the diaper? In the diaper. <laughs> floating in the healing liquid. It's it's my The favorite. Bacta tank. Yes. The, the Bacta tank. Bacta. Bacta. <laughs> um, <laughs> phlegm. Uh, but anyway, so it really explains the presence of the seismic tank, which I guess is kind of an ineffective way to dig for artifacts if you're just going to smash things. Like, if you've watched the episode, you know what we're talking about. If you haven't, basically it's just a giant, it's a giant rectangle that has a cylinder inside that it launches down aggressively and causes yes. giant craters to form. Um, and oh. Like a hydraulic press. Yes. Basically. Uh, like a, a hovering hydraulic press. And so I, it does kind of make sense because, okay, I guess that could help you find artifacts. <laughs> but The cat likes to bowl. <laughs> it, I'm going to... Sh- that cat's fired. <laughs> um, but it's also like saying, hey, I'm going to look in this box for artifacts and then smashing it with a hammer. Yes. But like... <laughs> Something that I loved about the ship, or the tank, is it is very stylized. Like, it looks it looks a lot like uh, Gedi Tartakovsky's art style, which I absolutely adore that. Yeah? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Cleaning up the mess from the cat. You're fine. Just trying to be co- uh, incognito about it, but you decided <laughs> to ask me a question. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I think it was very him um a lot of unnecessary features and just stacked on design you know it just let's make it let's no no but i mean it's 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 very much his way of making something look technological is just a ton of stuff on so much detail (laughs) yeah kind of like what they did with the um death star where it was like you know there was a lot of detail where really would there would there have been that much yeah I, i mean like, I haven't built a super weapon. If you've been, if you guys listening have built a super weapon and know whether or not that's accurate, let me know. But I don't think it was. It was just kind of a way to make it look. Mm-hmm. It was easier than making th- something from scratch. You just take a bunch of junk, glue it together, and paint it gray. Basically, I mean, eh. basic. I, I think it would look more like my tattoo than it would. <laughs> yeah, very. I mean, very smooth. Out, smooth. Maybe a couple lines here and there. Looks like it was drawn with a sharpie. <laughs> um, so the droid, the droid super weapon, makes a little bit more sense, knowing what the intent was. Uh, it wasn't very clearly stated in the episode, but as uh, you know, watching this for the first time, I didn't question it. I was just like, oh, that's the bad thing. Yeah. You know, and I knew obviously Mace was going to take it down. Of course. Uh, The cool thing is, is that at one point the hydraulic thing crashes down and it causes Mace to go flying and he loses his lightsaber. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously all of his clones are dead at this point. Yeah. Um, The clones just die very quickly in this, in this series. Uh, So he's separated from his lightsaber, but then he continues to kind of make his way to the tank because he knows he has to take it down if he's going to be able to stop. Uh, the droids. So, and along the way, we get some really cool lightsaberless con- combat. Yeah, where he's like, just kind of k- kung fu action. Bruh, it's like watching 
Jackie Chan do his thing. Yeah, it <laughs> it's was, just really awesome. It's pretty cool, and you know, it was a nice nod to his legend's power uh, called Shatterpoint, where he can find those weak points mm-hmm. um, and things. Which sometimes it looked like he was finding weak points; other times it just looked like he was, you know, smashing faces. Yeah, but uh, smashing smashing skulls with the force. Yeah, but he Robo skulls. But he has he had the ability to be able to find like fault lines and weak points in um, things and exploit them and influence them. Yeah. Uh, and so basically instead of just smashing something, he could take it out at its weakest point kind of thing. He just looks at a droid. Your father will never be proud of you. Oh, shattered. <laughs> um, I thought one, one part was cool, which was a little bit more, I guess, shatter pointy, but where he kind of like removed all the screws and, yeah, that was really Such, cool. And then it just fell apart. That was a really cool part. Um, but eventually he reunites with his saber, uh, comes up to the tank, makes his way in, just slashes everything, and it crashes. And then he celebrates by stealing a boy's water. Well, yeah. no, the, the boy, he offers it to him. Yeah. He steals a boy's water and then, you know. Goes back. Steals his just hat. Just kind of flies, flies off. off. Uh, but it was it was a really cool episode. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was nice to see some Mace Windu action, um, especially, you know, having seen him in Attack of the Clones prior to that. You know, it kind of created this interest again of, oh, you know, he looks like he could really take on quite a lot. He looked like he was a bad dude. And so kind of seeing a little bit of that action was pretty cool. Yeah. But a very simple concept, very simple episode. Um and so I just thought it was very interesting kind of figuring out why the tank was there and also kind of realizing that connection between, uh, apparently Mace just really likes fighting on Dantooine, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. He just, he likes crushing robot skulls. Yeah. <laughs> he just, he's enjoying himself. He's That's very how angry he man. lets off steam. Yeah. Which, same. He, well, I mean, you know, reading his comics and backstory, he's he's basically been angry his whole life. So it's just a wonder he didn't become a Sith. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, the interesting thing is he's one of the he is the only, I believe, uh, Jedi Force user of the Form Seven lightsaber combat, mm-hmm. which is normally a lightsaber combat used exclusively by Sith. Hmm. Um, so it's really interesting to see how blurred the lines were of him as a Jedi. You know, he was not your typical peacekeeping Jedi. You know, he was very aggressive, very stern, and um, it was interesting. He was willing to get the job done. Mm-hmm. He was willing to do it. Do it. Uh, he was He was mom's favorite, and that was literally just because of the color of his lightsaber. Well, yeah. He was cool, too. She liked, she liked <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. But the main thing was like, oh, purple lightsaber, that's my favorite. But what about Qui Gon? Nope, that's my favorite. Yep. And it's funny to hear how bitter Mark Hamill is about that. There was a lot of times when I remember there was one time a kid asked the question of, "Can you choose your own lightsaber color?" and and this was on like a TV show or something, and he was like, "Samuel L. Jackson did." Mm-hmm. It was like so bitter. <laughs> it's just like. Dude, you got both purple, or you got both blue and green. Right, it's like you got you got two different colors, dude. My goodness, I mean, but I can see him liking purple as the Joker. Yeah, I can see that. Somebody make him a Joker lightsaber. That'd be cool. Someone make him the Joker again. I'm I'm sure he's willing to do it. 
Yeah. Uh, but overall, I think I, I think know. these two these two episodes were fun. I mean, yeah. Joaquin yeah. Phoenix needs something to do. Let him be the Joker for a little bit. Joaquin Phoenix does not need something to do. He can he can stay in his corner and be crazy. Dude pretended to be homeless for a little while. <laughs> Dude has a face on his forehead. Have you seen that video? Yes. Yes. It's it's special. Uh, speaking of special, this podcast is special. That's why we're talking about Joaquin Phoenix on a Star Wars podcast. That's why you guys like us, though, right? Because, you know, if we're not talking about Star Wars, we're talking about Joaquin Phoenix's face forehead or, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme doing the splits. Oh, that hasn't come up since first episode. It has now. There you go. So, but anyway, moving on. So next we jump over to the episodes I've I've called the Attack on Ilum. Um Ew. this is chapters 14, 15 and 16. Um this is pro- these are probably my least favorite episodes of the first season. Um you know the other two I mean Kit Fisto is Kit Fisto. So that that one was really cool. I really liked that one. The Mace Windu one was pretty cool, pretty actiony. This one's just meh. Yeah. It was it was okay. Um, in this arc, we see that Dooku's looking to sabotage uh, the arming of future Jedi by taking out the sacred temple on the planet Ilum. Uh, this planet is the source of their powerful kyber crystals, which power their lightsabers. Yes. Uh, we come into the episode uh, during the ceremony of a Padawan constructing her lightsaber. Which but... is very cool. I, I enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, it was very simple. Uh, I like what we see later in the 2008 series, um, mostly because it involves a uh, cameo from David Tennant. Um, yeah, but here, I mean, that was nice. Luminara's little, the crystal is the heart, and the Jedi's the blade, and the blade is the heart of a crystal, like, and the and the crystal is is the taco, and the taco. Is... I'm pretty sure her point was. You're the blade, like you are the weapon. <laughs> you are the lightsaber. You are the senate. Kind of like the idea of like a samurai sword is an extension of their body, kind of thing is what I mean. You know, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I think that's what they're kind of, that she was trying to say. Are you trying to say that Star Wars has inspiration from the samurai? <laughs> what kind of silly so much. is that? Like a bunch. I, that was the joke, John. <laughs> there was a joke. Moving on. <laughs> um, it was interesting to see, uh, but it's quickly interrupted by Dooku's uh, droid, droids who infiltrate the temple and plant bombs, uh, ultimately leading to Yoda having to show up and save the day. Yeah. The Jedi uh, we meet in the opening are the Moralian Master and Apprentice Luminara Unduli and Barris Afi, both of which show up again in the next season uh, to varying degrees of popularity. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they're both Mary Allen, which pretty, I'm sorry. I was patting my cat and I forgot I was recording a podcast, not just talking to my wife about Star Wars. So, um, I was was playing drums on her belly. Um, but, uh, it's interesting. They put two, uh, the Mary Allens together. Uh, I really didn't realize they were the same species for the longest time, but, uh, yeah, Luminara Unduli is a pretty, she gets a quite a few cool episodes in the next series. Um, Barisafi gets interesting treatment. You, you will, you will see. I will see. Uh, 
but ilum also again so this is the third time we have connective tissue so ilum uh appears again in the next series uh in a very similar ceremonial arc you know uh, like building the lightsaber arc yeah except it doesn't take the same turn of oh no now we're under attack uh it's a very it, it goes in a very different direction but we both 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 series give us the appearance of ilum and this sort of rite of passage of get, uh, building your lightsaber. Yeah. Which we saw her in, um, I want to say, Attack of the Clones. Who? Elum. The planet? No. Uh, the, <laughs> Luminaria. Uh, Luminara. Luminara. Yes. Luminara. She's one of the Jedi we see in the kind of montage of Jedi showing up to the, uh, the Geonosian uh, arena. Yeah. So um, we see her pop up. She looked cool. Yeah, very interesting design. I really like uh, her. And I like that we get to see more of her here and, of course, in the next series. Um, But uh, Ilum here is a little bit more templed. It's a little bit more ornate in its appearance. In the next series, it's not as much. It's pretty much just an ice cave uh, full of kyber crystals. Uh, And so this is the planet where they harvest their kyber crystals. And uh, apparently it is only home to green and blue. Uh, purple are extremely, extremely, extremely rare, which is yes. the explanation of why only one Jedi has a purple lightsaber. Yeah. I like Plo Koon's yellow lightsaber. Uh, that was not uh, canon. That Well, uh, I mean, it's not canon. That was done for um, the figure release, the Phantom Menace uh, figure release. For some reason, they were like, what color is his lightsaber? Eh, let's give him a yellow one. Same way because Mace Windu didn't show his lightsaber, but they were like, eh, let's give him blue, a blue one. Yeah. So, um... Man. But yeah. So, uh, yellow lightsabers and purple lightsabers are very, very rare. Um, but apparently green and blue are the primary of the planet, although... They're technically colorless. They're given color by the Jedi, I believe, is the kind of canon thing. Yeah. So, um, but here they're basically, the color you get is the color it makes kind of thing. Um, But there's this weird fan theory that Ilum is actually Starkiller Base. Or Starkiller Base is Ilum. Because we don't know it as, as anything other than Starkiller Base. Ilum is a planet that's 90% ice. Starkiller base has a lot of ice. And imagine, you know, a big reason they can funnel uh, solar energy into a beam is because maybe it's full of kyber crystals. Maybe. You know, I think think it's definitely very interesting. And it'd be a weird... Well, not weird. It'd be a very kind of, oh, man, sticking it to the Jedi kind of thing. Like, taking the sacred planet and turning it into a weapon kind of... That's pretty cool. Yeah. If I would I would almost accept Starkiller Base a little bit more <laughs> if it's explained by it has magic crystals. That's the only way. <laughs> well no, I don't mind Starkiller Base, but no. it just makes it a little bit nicer to know why it works. Um is because of the kyber crystals within it. Yeah. Um the droids that appear though, uh th- that bomb the temple and uh that yoda has to fend off are called chameleon droids because they can disappear um there's the nice little reference at the beginning where the droid launches into the snow and then kind of 
pops up submarine style, and it's very Empire Strikes Back probe droid reference. Yeah. It's really nice. They even make the same noise. Um, I'm not really sure what Yoda was doing, hanging out with Padme, just flying around the galaxy. Just chilling. Just chilling. Just getting just it, getting out. out. Need a break, I must. <laughs> uh, or whatever. I don't. I don't skipping. do good Yoda speak. Um, but they're just floating around, and he senses something, uh, which is just convenient for plot, uh, and says, "Oh no, we have to go to Ilum." So they go there, and he goes, starts kind of cleaning up the droids. Then Padme decides that she has to be Padme about it and go after him. And uh, I we wasn't get, aware that was a verb. <laughs> <laughs> just be Padme. When in doubt, be Padme. I love Padme, but this one, this little thing proved very useless because she went out, killed a couple of droids, almost killed C-3PO, which was almost nice. Um, (laughs) But like she literally uses him as a a lure to draw out the droids and then throws a grenade. Yeah, rocking some great winter wear, by the way. Yeah, of course. She's a former uh, queen. She's got to look good everywhere she goes. Um, but so she kills the two droids and then Yoda just shows up like, I'm done. Yeah. I fixed everything. Here's the Jedi. It's like (laughs) Padme just should have stayed on the ship. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, it was just, I didn't think about that until watching it this time. I was like, wow, she really didn't do anything. No. You're just like, wait, (laughs) we need Padme to do something other than have big eyes and kiss Anakin in back alleys. Man. Which spoiler alert for episode or chapter like 21 or something her eyes are so big yeah very they take up most of her face right it's just like what do you mean puppy eyes (laughs) 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 Um, my brand (laughs) so but yeah other than that this episode like i said the whole thing of padme kind of doing her little adventure which i i guess was just maybe padding for the episode's the whole thing, the, the, the chameleon droids aren't really a threat for Yoda, obviously. I mean, it's Yoda. Yeah. All of it was just like, okay. Like, I, I'm not saying I don't like the episodes, but obviously I don't think it stacks up to the other episodes. Yeah. And really that's just a testament to how great and action-packed the other ones are. This one for me just took a very kind of low and slow approach, kind of, in my opinion. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. The best part about it was that guy's crazy fingers. Or was that the next no, one? No, that's a uh, few episodes down. I mentioned that episode, and so that got your brain on it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, there were fingers in this episode. Blue. There were some fingers. <laughs> so, uh, you, you're going to have to watch it to know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let you know when we get to the fingers. Yeah. Moving on. Move along. Move along. This is this is not, not the, the podcast is, you're looking for. This is the podcast you're looking for. Even better. <laughs> um. So now we get to my two of my favorite episodes. This is I really love these episodes, but uh, there's a few moments later on that we'll talk about that are probably my absolute favorite. But here are some of the best episodes. We get to chapter twenty and twenty one, which I'm calling the Droid General episodes. Mm-hmm. We finally get some big action and get introduced to Grievous. He's finally unleashed as the droid general 
Um, and he's apparently very good at what he does because he's taken down a few Acclamator class ships uh, and cornered several Jedi in the rubble of it. Yeah. Um, Obi-Wan is apparently the closest because he receives the distress call from one of the Jedi and uh, find that they're facing some very big, scary, uh, bad dude. Uh, and who looks like Bat Boy? <laughs> I still you, don't get that reference. Okay, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show John a picture of Bat Boy, and you're gonna get his real time reaction. Um, see, back in the day, National Enquirer or Weekly World News had this whole thing where they decided that they were gonna run a story about the Bat Boy. That's the Bat Boy. Doesn't I mean, kind of. <laughs> I mean, his ears kind of look like the the side face fins of Grievous. Yeah, half bat, That's about half it. human. Oh, on Wikipedia, his family is Herbert Senior, his grandfather, Susan Boy, his mother, Ruth Carter Cash Boy, his sister. <laughs> oh man, Bat Boy. <laughs> Interesting. I'm gonna do a whole episode on Bat Boy. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> but. This is the reason it's my favorite is because of how well they handle Grievous and his introduction and yeah. his treatment as a real scary threat um, yes. to the Jedi. He is a spooky boy. Uh, he hangs from the ceiling like a bat. <laughs> it's pr- his 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 uh, level of evil and uh, threateningness is kind of defined by the fact that so. He kills the Jedi that calls Obi-Wan. Like, we see he's killed mid-hollow message. Yeah. Um, and that was Master uh, Dokman Barak. Uh, Barak, sorry. Um, Barak. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> no, they can't. Um, Dokman Barak, uh, which I believe he was just created for this episode. I don't think he was anyone significant. He's um, a red shirt. Yeah. Mo- uh, uh, quite a few of these Jedi are. Um, so he's killed pretty quickly. And then he uh, grieves battles with uh, six other Jedi. Uh, we have Tar Seer, which is a Syrian, a.k.a. one of the Coneheads. So he's the one with the whiskers. Gotcha. Um, we have Shaggy. Yeah. Which is a parody of Shaggy. He was created to look like Shaggy. His actual name is Shaggy. Yeah, well, it's S-H-A... Uh, Apostrophe A G I. So it's very Star Warsy. Yeah. But it's Shaggy. But still, it's Shaggy. Um we like, have I, I didn't believe you at first when you yeah, mentioned that. That that is it. Um we have Ayla Sakura, which uh is a little bit more well known of a Jedi. She's the blue Twi'lek. She's awesome. Yep. Fun fact, she was only in Attack of the Clones because uh George Lucas saw a comic with her in it. She first appeared in comics. And he was like, she has to be in the movie. <laughs> um, and George Lucas can't read. I can't remember. <laughs> what? <laughs> Keep going. Um, I can't remember. It was it was significant who played her. I want to say it was. I don't want to say who it was because I'm probably wrong. But the, the actress that played her, for some reason, I, I seem to remember reading somewhere that it was significant who played her. So I don't know if she was like an artist or it was significant. We have no idea. It was the queen of England or something. I don't know. Um, if I thought about it, I would have put it in here, but I, I just, I just remembered like 
I always think of that every time I see Ayla because it was like she's only in there because George Lucas was like, "Blue lady must have." Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that was his Same. that was his, his actual quote. Um, we also have Kakruk, which is one of my favorite <laughs> Jedi. Um, he he's just a really cool dude. Uh, he is a oh my gosh, he's a whippet. That's his species. Um, his his species. I love those dogs. <laughs> not that. Uh, his species first appeared in the cantina scene. Um, and Kirkrook was really featured in comics uh, very well, especially after this, but we'll get in that. Um, and then two Jedi Council members, Kiati Mundi, which is the other Conehead, yeah. and Shakti. And who that is. Yes. Uh, and Shakti. Uh, so six Jedi, not Padawan. Well, uh, Shaggy, I think, is referenced as a Padawan. And I think Tar- yes. Tarsier, it might have been a Padawan. He, he seemed young. Who's the big fluffy boy? Not this, not in this episode. Oh, you sure? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was trapped with them. Mm-mm. The one I refer to as Newt Newt. Yeah, no, that's uh, later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. Language. The only fuzzy boy in this one is Kakruk. Um, so the legends of General Grievous. What? Who was he in Legends? Because it's actually sig- quite different. In Legends versus Canon. Um, We were talking about this the other day, actually. So, Grievous was born as... A poor poor black child. (laughs) No. uh, He was born as Kwamen Jal Shilal. I see why he changed his name. (laughs) He was like, I can't go around saying that all the time. Uh, He was originally a Kalish from the planet Kali. Uh, He lived there... Uh, during his early life, during the Kalish conflict against the Huck, which are like giant bug creatures, um, Shalal, Sh- Shilal, Grievous, uh, <laughs> quickly learned the art of war, specializing in a slug thrower rifle, quickly amassing a great number of Huck kills. <laughs> he became a demigod amongst his people, highly revered. Uh, and desperate to help his people, Grievous took a job as an enforcer with the intergalactic banking clan. However, after learning the Huck had attacked Kali, he headed home to gain vengeance. The interga- international, international intergalactic <laughs> banking clan chairman, Sand Hill, who was the Mun we saw with Dirge. What in the Sand Hills going on here? <laughs> um, after consulting with Dooku, arranged for a bomb to be placed on Grievous's shuttle, um, the Martyr. That was the name of his ship. That's um, yeah. ironic. <laughs> uh, the Kalish was critically injured but lived, and Hill arranged for the final stage of his plan. Grievous was reconstructed as a cyborg and presented to Dooku as a potential weapon to be used in the upcoming war that the Count had planned against the Republic. So this happened over a very long period of time. Very Robocop. Very Yeah, very evil Robocop style. Like, um, a very Robocop 2 with Kane the criminal, where, like, the van crashes and explodes and then they're like oh wait don't get rid of the body we want that (laughs) (laughs) recycling right and they like we'll make a better robocop oh no we created it out of a criminal go figure that it's going to kill us um like what what was that movie you made me watch like several with jean-claude venim And, oh, uh, uh, Universal Dolph Soldier. Lundgren. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so it's like it's, it's, exactly like, it's like, like that. It's like <laughs> you turn a bad guy into a robot and expect. Oh, he's not gonna that turn movie, on us. That movie was weird. Yeah, it was the nineties. Um, <laughs> That's your excuse. Th- so this is this is the legends 
of General Grievous. Yeah. You know, great warrior. He reached out or he took a job to help his people. But when he went to leave, uh, I guess Dooku just thought he was so powerful. They, they had to have him. So they basically forced him in by almost killing him and then being like, Hey, we can save you. And you know, it was actually the Jedi that did this. So if you help us, you can get your revenge. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very, I loved the the tragedy of it, of, you know, you're working for the guy that made you. Have you ever heard the tragedy of the guy? I can't pronounce his name. General Grievous. <laughs> um, so that's the Grievous that was created for Legends content. Um, in canon, though, and it's not too spoilery. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to the episodes, but essentially he chose to do it. Yeah. He chose to make himself a better warrior by adding on these cybernetics, which also shows a level of like, man, you're committed to being the best killer. Yeah. But it's just not quite as tragic of a story. I'd all, I always liked in the back of my mind seeing Dooku and Grievous interact and knowing that Grievous doesn't know. Yeah. I, I, it was just, I mean, very similar to the whole like Vader's, working for Palpatine and doesn't know that he was fooled the whole time. Like he was just being manipulated and used the whole time. Uh, It's kind of that, that layer of tragedy that makes it attractive. Yeah. Um, And we know how the Sith feel about tragedies. Yes. They have several of them. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the episode, like I said, the, the, the Jedi are cornered and Grievous being uh, the hunter collector that he is decides that, you know, all right, we're going to call off the droids. I'm going to go in by myself. I'm going to give them a warrior's death, uh, which luckily for us makes for a good episode. Yeah. Uh, it was a good episode. Yeah. The battle is essentially a, a, a slaughter. Um, this is the scary Grievous that honestly causes a little bit of disappointment with me uh, for the way they used him in the next series because... You'll see it. He's just, he's much more, uh, not going according to my plan. I'll get you next time. You stinking Jedi. And then runs away. Next time. Yeah. It's just like, and you know, in here in this episode and in the comics and such, we see that he's a very, very talented, skilled warrior. He wins based on his talent, but in Canon, he wins by his tricks. He wins by using his magna guards in dirty fashion and cheat, like uh, cheating essentially, which isn't surprising he's a bad dude, but it's also like he shouldn't have to use that. Yeah. You know, and and it almost builds him up to be more skilled and powerful than he is. Yeah. You know, we, which, I mean, I could get ahead of myself and get into it, but regardless, I think that the two handlings are very, very, very different. And I just prefer this one where he's a, he's just bad. Like he's just an unstoppable evil. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we love a spooky boy. Yeah. He gets a, the choreography for this is phenomenal in handling Grievous. Like the fluid motion as he, I mean, he alternates between using his, uh, the lightsabers in his hands to his feet. I mean, like he's constantly moving around very quick, quickly, very rapidly, uh, which is part of how he overpowers several of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, the first to die is Shaggy. He runs out and just gets squashed. Um, which I thought was a heckin' of an intro. Uh, just like, man, didn't even take time to wipe him off his boots, like, or his claw feet things. So, uh, Shaggy gets squished, and then 
The other Jedi put up a pretty good fight, but then Tarsier uh, gets grabbed by the face and then smashed into the ground because Grievous loves doing that. He really does. Um, then he takes Ayla, grabs her with his foot, and tosses her in the rafters, essentially. Which, if I had clawed feet that were tactile, I would do that. Right? Grabbing all the things. Just because you could. <laughs> you want that burger? Blam. I <laughs> grabbed it with my foot. Clawed it. Uh, and then Crux uh, killed. He's he's one that uh, when Grievous, Grievous separates him from Kiati and from Shakti and then uh, overpowers Crux um, and air quote kills him. Yeah. Uh, that dude doesn't die for a long time. No, which I love because that's where so many of his great stories come from. He is so old. Uh, Grievous then quickly overpowers Shock T and is left only to face Kiati Mungi at the end. And we get this great, the, the ending is very cool where, you know, there's this great buildup of who's going to strike first. And then Grievous lunges at him and it gets that very high pitch kind of string instrument, like, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, again, it's being painted as a horror, like a scary thing. Like yeah. it's, done so well again with the music it's just so good like the clashing of symbols you know on those really hard-hitting moments it's just like yeah oh wonderful stuff the music for this series is just fantastic absolutely great stuff um and so but yeah the the battle really just serves to show that he's unstoppable he is just uh this killing machine um, yeah. and so that's, that's the finale. That's episode 20. That kind of ends on that cliffhanger. Um, originally it was planned in there, could have ended there, you know, very, I mean, it would have been a, a heck of a cliffhanger, but it could have ended there. But thankfully we got a season two. Uh, I believe we didn't get it until 2005. I want to say something like that. It was a ways later. Um, but I'm glad we got it. And one thing to note very quickly, first of all, we get 12-minute episodes now. We mm-hmm. get five 12-minute episodes of season two. Um, the production value is up quite a bit. Uh, we get a lot more dialogue. We get a lot more episodic style. So it's now uh, simultaneous stories instead of this chapter only focuses on this character and this story. Um, you know, its its scope is a little bit wider. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it feels like a full-produced show now. Um, it would have been interesting to see that as a full show. Yeah. But uh, they decided to continue the series. And so we get chapter 21. Uh, this opens with us seeing the art trooper. So uh, Master Barrett called Obi-Wan and said, you know, hey, we're getting slaughtered out here. We need help. And apparently Obi-Wan's like, uh, probably nothing. Send in the clones. Like, and the arc troopers were all arc 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 Um, I think I made that joke during the episode. <laughs> not that one. It was with another another acronym. But there's a cool kind of gear up kind of sequence as they approach. They get a cool new ship because their last one was destroyed. Like they apparently had time to get a nice cool paint job. Of course. <laughs> um, as they responded to this emergency, but they've get they've got a very A10 warthog style paint job. Um nerd with it's a plane um <laughs> for those that didn't know so and uh but the arc troopers bust in and they rescue two life signs and then go to uh 
the third, and it's, of course, Kiati facing off against Grievous. And basically just shoot to heck mm-hmm. everything. Like, just, just fire everything. It's like that scene in Predator where it's like, oh, I think I saw something. Let's blow up the entire forest. Exactly. Um, because that's what you do. Right. You're bound to hit it at some point, except they don't. Yeah. Uh, their aim was more like stormtroopers. Um, and so Grievous just runs away from all of it. Yeah. Uh, he kills a few. that's what you do. Yeah. Um, he kills a few. Yeah, I mean, if I was getting shot at, I would run away too. Mm-hmm. Um, he kills a few clones. Essentially, though, it ends with them running away. Like, they're only capable of running away. Uh, and it, and Kiati wants to go after, but he's like, uh, the, the Captain Fordo tells him they're survivors. We got to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we see Ayla Sakura survived and Shakti survived. For now. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Um, Ayla Sakura is not surprising because we see her in Revenge of the Sith only to see her die. Um, Shakti, uh, little, you know, we will talk about Shakti. Shakti's extra. She has to have like five different deaths. Yep. Um, but at the end we see Grievous retrieve Kukruk's lightsaber um, so Kukruk, though, he does not die. Uh, he goes on to live and continue to fight in the Clone War, uh, survive Order 66. He, he rescues a few Padawans and Jedi, begins teaching them, eventually joins Luke's New Jedi Order, and is still around to train his uh, long-descendant Cade Skywalker during the reign of Darth Krait. So Kukruk doesn't die for a very, very, very long time. Uh, he has uh, several near-death experiences. It's almost traditional, but <laughs> a lot of fans think that he survives based on the coolness of his hat. He has this cool straw hat that people attribute his survivability to. Yeah, he does have um, a very cool hat. I remember when I first saw that they were releasing a Kukruk action figure, and I think it was one of those like mail-order figures. Yeah. I went nuts making that happen. I went nuts in order to to get that figure because I just loved this dude so much. Because I'd originally seen him in the comics before seeing these episodes. And it was a nice, like, oh, man, like, connection. And, of course, it was confusing where he died. But then, as you read on, that's he almost dies all almost all the time. He's like the Winchesters. Yeah, he, just constantly yeah. brushing death. <laughs> He's only nearly dead. Right. Um... He's just really cool. He's very wise. He's like he's like a giant fuzzy Qui-Gon Jinn with his wisdom. Uh, he's as skilled a lightsaber fighter as any other Jedi, and yet also very calm and chill. You know, uh, he's just he's he's the perfect package of a good Jedi. Yeah, uh, just very cool and a very cool design. Uh, you know, as we'll talk about in a little bit. You know, alien Jedi were just so attractive. It was just like. You're different. You're weird. I like it. Yeah. You know, just make it an alien and all of a sudden it's ten times cooler. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, he reminds me so much of, there was a show a long time ago, um, like in the 80s, which is a long time ago. Um, It was the guy from Kill Bill. He was Bill. Um, Mm. And he was just walking around with a flute in a field of wheat. And like he knew karate. Mm-hmm. And throughout the whole episodes, like he would be like, "I will not fight you. I will not fight you. I will not fight you." And then okay. he just kicks butt. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? No. 
Um, if you know what I'm talking about out there. Let her know she's not crazy. But but that's very much the crux is very very you know, very peaceful, very pacifist oriented, but could just destroy you mm-hmm. easily. I mean barehanded. I mean he's as strong as a Wookiee, easily. Uh that's the thing, is he's very he's as tall and strong as a Wookiee. As wise as Qui-Gon Jinn, as powerful a swordmaster as Mace Windu. Like he's he's the full package. The butt of B. Arthur. <laughs> I that's don't know. I, didn't, I haven't reference. seen his butt. <laughs> um, but sadly, all that's legends now. Uh, um, I don't even know if he is a, 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 at all in canon. Oh, so uh, your favorite character may not be as canon as you felt either. Well, no, I knew he wasn't canon. Oh. But yes, he, he joins the pile of dead legends characters um, that we love. Thanks, Kathleen. <laughs> See, so we like some Legends things that aren't canon anymore. So yeah. you'll hear about that next week. That's kind of a focus of ours is uh, talking about Legends versus lore. What's Legends that we're glad? What's Legends that we want back? So It'll um, be like an A lot hour of nostalgia. A, it'll be a lot of nostalgia. It'll be like an hour and a half of us going like, oh, man, then he did this and this and this. That was cool. But it's like it's, why do why do we oh, want him back? Because okay. he was cool. Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's all you need. You're gonna find out why AGD is my favorite character. There in you go. The next week's episode. He's so. the bestest tin can. Yeah, he is. So, but uh, that's the end of this. It just ends with them flying away and Grievous being all like, "Yeah, you've only prolonged the inevitable, you stinking Jedi." <laughs> um, the inevitable of me running away. Yeah. Well, they did what he would become accustomed to, which is running away. So, but uh, what do you think of Grievous in this? What do you think of his introduction? Bat Boy, 2018. That's it? Yeah, no, I thought Grievous was great. I thought that it was a very, it was very well executed mm-hmm. for Grievous. Like, I never thought that he was scary when I just watched the movies. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very much like, who is this robot? Mm-hmm. Who is this coffee robot man? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he's very, you know, in Revenge of the Sith, he's very abruptly introduced in. Hello there. Um, which I guess was the best way to handle but it. It was also very much like, oh, okay. All right. This yeah. is a guy now. And, you know, and then he was killed off. Um, mm-hmm. And so. In a very cool way. Yeah. I mean that that the sequence was was nice and interesting, but it it was also still it was like, which obviously he had to die. I mean he couldn't continue on, no. uh, but it was very much a man like he was a cool character. I don't know much about him, but yeah, he's get he's dead now. That's the thing. He's barbecued. Mm. Um, yeah, I like keep this in mind. I think we'll talk about this again when we first get into some grievous stuff. In the next series, so we can kind of, so I can get your thoughts of, is it just me that misses this Grievous, or, you know, is the Clone Wars Grievous better? And maybe guys out there, like some of you that have seen both series, what do you think of Grievous in both series? Which one do you prefer? And do you think this is, do you think Grievous is better as a scary character or as a dirty fighting character? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's the two things I think best define. This is scary Grievous. That's dirty Grievous. Yeah, we keep saying that Grievous is scary, but 
we forget that one sequence where he's holding a lightsaber in each hand and then picks one up with his foot and hops toward Shakti. He didn't hop toward, like, he, he leapt. <laughs> it was... He, he, he leapt with great... Uh... He's beauty, he's grace. He's gonna punch her in the face. <laughs> well, it wasn't Shakti, it was um, Kiati. Because oh, yeah. he, he had grabbed Kiati's lightsaber with his foot. Right. So, I thought it was interesting. I, I thought that would have been something crazy. Because what you'll see in these this second season is that, obviously, Gendy and the creative team were given um, details of characters and ships and planets and all these different things. And maybe weren't given a lot of else. Yeah. They were given re- visual, visual reference, and that was about it. So... I think honestly, Gindy came up with better fighting style and um, flair for Grievous than what we got in Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. or in any of the Clone Wars. You know, if we got way more awesome choreography, I think, in these episodes than we ever see from Grievous ever again. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Like they should have just made him, you know, uh, General Grievous choreographer Gindy Tarakovsky. Yeah. Would so it would have been interesting to see that in live action. Uh, I, this is arguably going to be the longest section that we have. Yeah, just talking about Grievous. <laughs> yeah, so, but more Grievous in a moment. Waps. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, following the awesomeness of Grievous, we get uh, a next chapter and an opening bit where Anakin's uh, knighting trial. Yes. After much deliberation from the Jedi uh, Council, they finally decide, okay, let's make Anakin Skywalker a Jedi Knight. Mm -hmm. Um, Still not a master, though. No. Which, in retrospect, I mean, it allows him to be a little bit more independent, but otherwise, how significant is it really? Yeah. Uh, You know, but... (laughs) It's like when you help a toddler, or when you let a toddler help with dinner just like oh good job you held that spoon so good <laughs> i'm sure that's how anakin felt it was just it like, was i did hold that spoon good yoda <laughs> yes i did that I, I feel like that was very much his perspective so um after a little bit of deliberation uh which we get a great council scene with uh several different jedi featured and again we get a, a few lines from each of them since now we get more speaking roles yeah um and so he becomes a Jedi Knight, which basically just involves cutting off his little ponytail thing. <laughs> and and apparently there's this, you know, latent uh, idea of, oh, I've gotten rid of the ponytail. I can grow my hair now. Yeah. Because Obi-Wan did that for episode two. It's like, got the Jedi mullet. And then <laughs> Anakin grew out his hair and is just like. Yeah. What if, like, we raise our kids to, like have a rat tail for, <laughs> for, for the their, first 13 years. Yeah. And then when they, on their 13th birthday, instead of having a bar mitzvah, we, we just, just cut, like, off, the cut off the rat tail. <laughs> and then, and then they can grow their hair out and have a mullet until they're 21 and realize this was a bad decision. <laughs> and then they just grow a beard. When they are in therapy, just like what, why? Right. Why would my parents let me do this? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, so it's great to see other uh, Jedi masters brought into uh, Gindy's style of um, art and whatnot. Uh, we see Adi Galia, uh, who goes on to appear in the 2008 series. We see Eeth Koth, who appears in the 2008 series 
funnily enough, during an episode that features Grievous. Hmm. Um, and he was recently in Darth Vader number 19, but only briefly. That's oh. all I'll say. Uh, we also get even Peel, uh, who ac- appears again in the 2008 series in a great uh, arc of episodes, which I cannot wait to show you. Um, we got C-10, uh, which is basically just the alien Samuel L. Jackson uh, in this show. <laughs> Uh, and Opo Rancisas, which is the finger guy that you were talking okay. about. Okay, he's got Grinch fingers. He's well, he's got snaky fingers. Um, he, know, he's not supposed to have that. They're supposed to be like normal fingers, but I guess they were like, he's a snake guy. He's gonna have snakes for fingers. He's like, you know, like in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, the guy who has fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair. Mm-hmm. This is Halloween. That's what this it looks. Is... That's what it looks like. It's if except almost, green. It's almost spooky time, y'all. Um, and cool thing is, Oppo Rancisis was mentioned in the same Darth Vader comic, uh, Eve Koth just appeared in, um, stating that he did survive Order 66. So Oppo is still out there hmm. somewhere, hopefully to appear and soon be killed in a Darth Vader comic. <laughs> that's, you're just, that's all little, I want. You're just a little ball of sunshine. I just want him to show up and die. I just want more Darth Vader hunting and killing Jedi action. Calm down. Um, but... After uh, Anakin's trial uh, and knighting, I don't mean trial like he was judged, although he should have faced trial for some of the things he did. Trial by fire! uh, He was knighted. We get a montage of... Oh, and first of all, he sends his rat tail to Padme. Of course. And she puts it in her jewelry box with her little necklace that he made her. Okay, look, that's not the weirdest thing. Mary Shelley had her husband's heart. Well, no, but it was just, it was interesting. It was just kind of like, did she know what that meant? Like, it yeah. could, because C-3PO brings her the rat tail. It could have been like, this was all they found of him. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, did she know what it meant? I mean, I, obviously she did, because she was like, oh my gosh, this is the best gift ever. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my little jewelry box. But it was just like. Next time you shave, I'm going to keep some of your beard hair. <laughs> Just keep some of the hair and just be like, oh my gosh, thank you. It's so romantic. <laughs> uh, it's better than sand, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so we get a cool montage of, um, wait, no, before the montage, we get some Anakin Padme action. We get, Gross. so he's like, they meet up in the back alleys and make out a little bit and then yeah. C-3PO shows up. Yeah. And. We get oh this. my gosh! <laughs> it is the worst sequence I've ever. It's seen. so terrible. So so, Anakin's dumb and is like, "Wait, you look different." Um, because if you watch the series in the earlier episodes where he shows up, he's still in his very Attack of the Clones armor. Like he's got that gray copper, very poor people armor. Yeah. Uh, and here he finally gets upgraded to gold plating, and Anakin's like. Did you do something different with your hair? <laughs> like, really? I mean, I know we're in a back alley, but you could clearly see he's gold plated. Yeah. So he's like, "All right, well, let's see it." And uh, so he, we, there's even a saxophone. Yeah, there's there's even like a saxophone sound as he kind of reveals his gold. It's just so weird. It's just, it makes your skin crawl. Gendy, why? Uh, I, I feel like he was just like, let's pitch this. It'll never happen. And then they accepted the episode. It's like, dang, now we actually have to animate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, oh, after all of that, after the rat tail and after the sexy C-3PO, we get 
a montage of Anakin being Anakin, being the hero of the day, saving a bunch of Jedi, kind of just a montage of him being the chosen one yeah, kind of thing. Uh, and we get some cool Obi-Wan-Anakin interaction on some planet that they're trying to liberate the city of. They go in the sewers and do what clone troopers could have done. But Cody's like, oh, let's just shoot at the shield until it breaks for three months. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whatever. So they, they go in and solve the problem. Um, but, again, Commander Cody pops up, which is his first appearance in the animated series, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, again, so I think they basically just got minor details of things that would be in Revenge of the Sith and we're like, all right, we got to put all of it in. Yeah. But anyway, so next we get in, that's kind of the filler stuff. That's not really its own bit to talk about. The next bit to talk about though, is the, what I'm calling Anakin's weird spirit journey. Yeah, that was weird. But um, it was cool. This happens in chapters 22 and 25. Again, the, the, these episodes are simultaneous. So this is happening alongside the Battle of Coruscant um, part, but I decided to split those up so we could just talk about each part individually rather than bounce back and forth. So right here, we're talking about chapters 22 and 25, the spirit journey. Um, so shortly before the Battle of Coruscant, Kenobi and Anakin were sent to the icy planet of Nilvan uh, to seek out Grievous. The Nilvalian hailed Skywalker as Ghost Hand, um, and <laughs> ghost hand. Uh, oh, what 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 did they call it? They called it um, Hot Cassette. Hot Cassette. Hot Cassette. Um, so they hailed and and now I will say I thought it was interesting seeing uh, a Native American inspired species. Yeah, uh, it was really cool to see that kind of tribe um hunter gatherer species kind of thing. Um, I thought it was very cool. It, this this whole episode has themes of. Native American culture in it. Um, hopefully done with great respect. I think it was. Uh, but they call him Ghost Hand, and the shaman of the village sends him on a quest to save their people from a threat that had vanquished all of their champions. In other words, all of their males. Um, the village is only made up of the one shaman, elder male, and then nothing but women. And children. Um, so, and children, obviously. Uh, Not just the women, but the children, too. <laughs> I don't know how they survived with Skywalker around. Um, so Skywalker agrees and enters a cave where he, he's given this uh, this riddle, which it essentially means, <coughs> um, you know, it's like follow the screams of Mother Nature. That's the wind. <laughs> uh, you know, travel her icy tears. That's the frozen lake. And then enter her hot mouth. It, that's the cave. Um, and so it's really weird. It's like, you could have just given him actual directions, but you yeah. got, just got decided just to mess with him. Take a left at the Denny's. Right. <laughs> no, we'll let him figure it out. And and not only that, but they, they make him go shirtless. Yeah. They give him some sick temporary tattoos. Yeah. Well, created by leeches. So he, yeah. they threw leeches on him. He gets these tattoos and then they're like, he's like, okay, can I put my shirt on now? It's like, no, it's part of the journey. You yeah. have to go shirtless. What? <laughs> That's where Kit Fisto learned it. <laughs> no, he learned it from Kit Fisto. Yeah. He's trying to have those fish abs. Um, but the the interesting part is where he gets to a cave. Um, and he starts to have this vision. And it's of this great hunter uh, who loses an arm in battle. And however, he fought back and continued to slay monsters with a new black spiky arm. So there was this evil creature 
that he fought back but took his arm. Yeah. He thought then he killed it or thought he did. Um and his wife or or partner created a new arm for him out of the remnants of the evil that he killed. Mm-hmm. And then he uses that more powerful arm to continue to slay monsters. Uh, uh, and he continues to grow in power until it com- it grows out of control. And it soon becomes a labyrinth of evil that encompasses and destroys everything the warrior holds dear, taking his woman away from him. And there's this great scene at the end where we hear a cry from Padme, and then we get a glimpse of the uh, Vader's mask. Yeah. Which it looked a lot like the Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, yeah, the very concept yeah, the very style. Which I it loved made great. an appearance in Rebels. Just throwing that out there, I loved how much McQuarrie stuff they used in Rebels. But um, yeah, it was it was that very stylized, very um, yeah. almost anime, which it was inspired by Samurai masks. But it was it was a very anime style in its kind of curves and contours. Um, but anyway, so. It's this vision of what we think has to do with what's happened here. What, like, we see. What I'll I'll wait to talk about it. First, I want to I want to hear from you. (laughs) What what you thought of the vision and what you thought. What's your interpretation? I guess of it. I think it was pretty straightforward. Of you know, hero thinks that he can protect what he loves, but ends up, you know something out of his control that he could have stopped pretty much taking him over and taking away everything he loved, mm-hmm. which it's like they were trying to go for that or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that it seems to tell us the story of what happened there. Yeah. So my, my idea is that the planet um, is connected to the force, which all things, yes, are connected to the force, but there's this go, going off the inspiration and idea that these, these, um, Nevalians were inspired by, uh, African, uh, not African American, Native American culture. You know, I, I feel like there's this spiritual connection to the force that the planet has. Yeah. And their interpretation of that is the mother. Yeah. Their idea of the force is the mother is the controller of all things. And so I feel like, yes, we're getting a glimpse of what happened here to the people, but we're also obviously seeing that the force has drawn Anakin there because it's connected to his story. You know, because yeah. Obi-Wan thinks that the force brought them there because the only trial that Anakin hasn't faced is the trial of spirit, basically where you face your inner self, um, much like what Luke went through uh, in the cave on um, or in the yeah, in the cave uh, on Dagobah. Yes, this this tr- it was more about knowing oneself than about besting your enemy in combat. And, and, you know, the, the idea in, in Luke's journey is that this is what you will become if you continue down the path. Yeah. Because you're essentially going down a similar path as your father if you're not careful. Yeah. And so you'll become what you want to destroy. Um, much like his father did. He became what he was 
destined or, or prophesied to destroy. You're supposed to destroy them, so not join them. Uh, yes. Great and great Obi-Wan interpretation. Um, I love you, You're my brother. <laughs> so Obi-Wan seems to think that the Force brought them there to test his spirit. Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, the Force is speaking to him to say, this is what happened here, but it's significant to you mm-hmm. as well. Remember who you are. <laughs> uh, James Earl Jones. There yeah. you go. Mufasa. Cool. Ooh. See? Simba. See the, the connections. Simba was moving too slowly, so I told him to Mufasa. <laughs> oh, goodness. Puns. Puns are many. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I see it as, you know, his, Anakin's power very much grew out of control. And in order to keep what he loved, um, he ended up sacrificing it, losing it to his power. Um. And so there's there's interesting connections there. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of, I'll say I like the I like the vision mm-hmm. in this arc. That's pretty much the only interesting thing about these episodes. The rest, it's very dull compared to the other story happening. Yeah. Um, and it's just very different. Because um, ultimately, what's happening is after he um, comes to from the vision, he finds that he's uh, discovered the. Um, droid lab, which he doesn't quite recognize. I guess that it, that's what it is at first. But he re- he finds this giant factory hidden within the the cave. Yeah, he goes to explore. We see their battle droids there. Eventually, we see there's techno union. Um, techno union. I'm pretty folks. sure that's like a band. <laughs> well, the that's the that that was who the alien guys were. Oh, okay. The, the deep voice ones. Um, the Daft Punk fans. Yes. Sure. Uh, what whatever helps you. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, they were the techno union. They were they they were the designers of several droid things. Um. And so based on we see some blueprints for Grievous. So it, I guess we're meant to assume that they helped create him mm-hmm. a little bit. Um. And so as Anakin pokes around, he sees that essentially they're capturing the male Navalians and then altering them. They're making them. Uh, giant mutated creatures and then adding cannons and brain control devices on them. They're feeding them pizza and making them chubbis. Yes. Um, Which, again, it was just such an interesting way to communicate. We're turning them into super soldiers. They could have just strapped machines onto them. No, they get feeding tubes and they get real chub. Yeah, it... uh, Interesting. Interesting is all I, I can say. More love, to be honest. Huh? I thought they were cute. <laughs> they were like giant gerbils. Exactly. I love gerbils. Um, and so Anakin comes in to try and save one uh, who is currently being uh, transformed and muta- mutated, mm-hmm. uh, only to have the other ones that are under the brain control sicked on him. Yeah. Um, and but the the non mind controlled one breaks free and shows Anakin that they're not themselves. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta take off this machinery and then they'll come too. Which poor guy went from hot bod blue guy to oh, yeah. like chubby. I mean he he basically took the Arnold Schwarzenegger route. Just like oh, Yeah, just now I'm sad. Just sad and flabby. He's sad and flabby. Sad and how flabby. How do you feel how do you think he feels? Um but I feel fat and eventually, <laughs> they so they eventually all break out. They're all relieved of their uh, 
brain control. I keep saying brain control, mind control, whatever. Um, Aren't they the same thing? And then the one that helped Anakin tell tells him in his language uh, a very long and extensive explanation of what Anakin has to do to save the day. And then he Anakin's just like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't understand a lick of it. No subtitles. It was like 10 seconds of solid just alien gibberish. Uh, yeah. But essentially what he told him was he's got to go to the core. There's a crystal powering the whole place. And only Anakin can go in and remove the crystal because he has the ghost hand, the, the <laughs> robot arm. Ghost hand. So he, it's very similar to iRobot. Yeah. Um, where his robotic part became, came in handy. Ha. <laughs> 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 Unintended pun. Pun intended. So, yeah. So he basically just reaches in, grabs the crystal and crushes it. And the explosion causes him to lose his ghost hand. Yes. Um, but then, uh, of course, everything's just self-destructing. So the Techno Union guys are trying to escape. The uh, Nevalians are destroying droids as they make their way out. And eventually, Anakin pops up and is just like... Phew. Yeah, his face says it all. <clears throat> like, just all the anger. Yeah. And so... I thought what I saw in this one was a great symbolism where, cause he uses his destroyed uh, prosthetic. He uses that, which it is his primary hand. Um, but he uses that to reach out and force choke uh, several techno union guys. Reach out and touch somebody. Um, and I thought it was interesting cause it, you know, it's very much this idea that it's not him, mm-hmm. you know, cause we kind of talked about that. Cause you were like, why is he, why is he doing that? Yeah. You know, he doesn't have a hand anymore. Like, which, you know, there's the idea that Jedi don't need to use their hand to use the force. It just helps visualize. Yeah. But I, I always saw the symbolism of he's using his destroyed prosthetic hand as a symbolism of, you know, it's not really, it's not Anakin. You know, it's, it's, it gets into that kind of, hypothetical talk of is it Anakin where does Anakin end and Vader begin yeah and so that's in my mind I always view that as that's those hints of Vader yeah in him which I think that day on Mustafar Anakin Skywalker really did not no let me let me backtrack a little bit I think that Darth Vader kind of became prime for a little while when he was fighting Obi-Wan but briefly like when you see Vader ask about Padme that was like that was the last hint of Anakin that was the last time that um, he was Anakin before he became fully Vader I see I honestly think I think he was Anakin up until he saw Obi-Wan on Padme's ship mm-hmm. at that moment he thought the woman that he'd sacrificed everything for had betrayed him to Obi-Wan mm-hmm had betrayed him to the Jedi. And that is when I think Vader took over because, you know, he, you see this fury come out of him because he, again, you know, he just did all of these horrible things for her. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously that doesn't justify it, but he, in his mind, he's done all of this just to be able to hold on to the one thing he loves or thinks he loves. And then he sees Obi-Wan and it's like, you, You've betrayed me. Everything I've done is now worthless. Mm-hmm. So I have no 
no, po- I have no point than just to destroy it all now. Yeah. Uh, I have. I mean, I think that's where Vader comes out, and that's why he chokes her because that's not Anakin thinking there. That's Vader taking over and just saying, "Look, I, I, I sacrificed for you, and you betrayed me. So, you know, I'm going to destroy you." Yeah. Too um, bad. So sad. You know, because in the new Vader comic, it talks about like he talks about attachment. You think it's a strength, but it's really a weakness, mm-hmm. and that's kind of those hints of. You know, I thought I was stronger with you, but turns out, you know, I don't need you. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, we could get into a lot of deep dive of Vader, Anakin, psyche stuff, but. Yeah. There's that whole question of, do you think there was a time where Vader could have been redeemed before Luke? No. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I was going to save that for the conversation, but yes. <laughs> I, and, I mean, in not so many words, no. Yeah. Um, but we'll we, get into I mean, that. yeah, we can talk about like re- redemption down the track but yeah i think it it only works if luke was the one yeah uh and that's what's interesting i was actually listening to the four center podcast today um their most recent one where they talk about um luke's journey and and such and it was interesting that they pointed out and it it's always been there but it it's sometimes not until people put it into words that you the light bulb goes off yeah they talked about like vader was redeemed by family the only hope for vader was the fact that he had his children Mm-hmm. It was a glimmer of Anakin Skywalker that brought him back to who he was supposed to be. Yeah. For Kylo Ren, the thing that caused his fall was family, Ooh. which is why Luke cannot save him is because Luke was part of the reason he fell in the first place. You know, with, with Vader, Luke and Leia didn't cause him to fall. They were a cause of redemption for him. The idea that, you know, there is hope, there is good, there is something better, Yeah, you know, um, is what ultimately pulled him back to the light. But his, Kylo's family constantly after him, honestly just pushes him further away, because he's yeah. just like, you don't love me, you don't care for me, you just want me for my power. Stay out of my room! Yeah. Um, it's just really interesting to think about. But Yeah. With that being said, do you think that Kylo Ren can be redeemed at this point? This is the Clone Wars episode. Sorry. We'll, um, we'll get into it on the main these, show. These are the rabbit trails. Um, but that is that is a good and interesting question. Maybe yeah. we can talk about that on the Q&A tomorrow. Yeah. And on that note. No. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't hear that. <laughs> um, so now, the final section. The best section of the second season. Uh, mostly because it brings Grievous back. Palpatine being sassy. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, we'll yes, we'll get into that. So, um, this is also chapters 22 to 25, but this is the other story that's happening simultaneous to, uh, Anakin's weird spirit journey. So this is the beginning yeah. of the battle of Coruscant. So this will, One of them. <laughs> the, well, yeah, technically, but, um, this will lead us right into the events of empire, uh, empire. Uh, to the events of episode three, Revenge of the Sith, which I find very, 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 very interesting how it just runs right up to it. Like you, yeah. you end this and then you can instantly go watch episode three. It's really cool. Yes. I, I've heard a few people talk about, they hope that the Clone Wars does that. The new, the new season yeah. leads right up into it. I think that would be cool, but yeah. Which at this point, since it's not really canon now, I mean, this Clone Wars Oh they yeah, could uh, they could do that. Definitely. Um, I would be sad though because then that would take away my headcanon. Oh, poor BB. Uh, but anyway, so 
this story happened simultaneously to the events on uh, Neil Vaughn or Nevelian. Uh, depends on how you want. They say it a few different ways in Neil the Vaughn. show. Neil Vaughn just sounds like a guy. Neil Vaughn is how Palpatine says it. Um, Palpatine's but weird. The others say Nevelian. The blue people planet. <laughs> um, we see that Grievous is given a uh, special mission to attack Coruscant and steal the Chancellor. Um, the Confederacy of Independent Systems plan all along was to draw the Jedi out into the Outer Rim so that Coruscant was lightly guarded and ripe for attack. Uh, this would serve useful in the ensuing Order 66 attack as well. But for now, uh, we see that the city is being defended by Mace and Yoda, while Shakti uh, is responsible for protecting the Chancellor. Yes. So this is the largest scale battle, I think, in the show. Um, several scenes of just action between Yoda slaughtering droids to clone troopers attacking to uh, several air-to-air battles. We get a lot, lot of ARC-170 ships. Um, we get the appearance of tri-droids uh, and uh, the vulture droids kind of doing their dogfight stuff. We get octoparu droids. We get crab droids. I mean, just everything they got. Several crustaceans <laughs> and octopods. Uh, well, the octopods. The octoparu ones are the the they're like a, a ball on three leg ones. But that's it's hard not- to describe. There, there's a few different weird ones, but just trust me, they were there. <laughs> um, and so lot lot. What were you gonna say? That's a lot of like when we talk about canon. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Um. And so it's really large scale, which was really cool. It just showed, again, the production value. A lot of the air scenes of, you know, the ship battles and then um, and the space battles are all done uh, 3D digital. Mm-hmm. I believe the rest was done more traditional style. I couldn't tell you, honestly. Um, but there's a clear difference in the 3D style used for the air and space combat than the ground combat. Yeah. Um, uh, and so... It's really cool to see the other side of it. Because when we come into Revenge of the Sith, number one, that opening uh, sequence of Obi-Wan and Anakin's uh, ships gliding over the Venator-class ship, and then all of a sudden we reveal the scale of battle. You get the ships dogging each other with uh, blaster fire, and just the whole scene of the space battle is epic. Yeah. But then adding in, because I had never thought of it apart from the show, what about the ground battle? Mm-hmm. And so this, if you've ever watched Revenge of the Sith and wondered, how did we get here? These are the episodes for you. These, this is great. Um, yeah. And so it, it really scales the battle even more. Uh, Grievous, again, gets great treatment as someone to be feared. Um, he's more comparable to a slasher villain in this where he's just persistent, constantly after you. Every time you think you've escaped, something like... Uh, you, you get that dramatic, and then there's <laughs> Grievous. You know, it's just, uh, he's just constantly after. He's the Jason Voorhees of the these episodes. The man just has a string quartet following him around. Just a couple of droids with, right. <laughs> with like, cellos just, just running behind just him. giving him his, his uh, scary music. Dun, 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 dun. Um, one cool thing about these episodes is Cartoon Network held a poll to determine which of the three Jedi uh, should be introduced in the series. Um, the three choices were Roran Korob, uh, which was the Athorian, the frog boy. Frog boy! Uh, Vulvif Mon, 
appeared. He was in chapter 20 and 21. He had a couple of different cameos. Uh, he was Wolf Boy. He was Wolf Boy. Uh, and then Foul yeah, Mandama. Uh, Foul Mandama, uh, who was the Talls, which is the Fuzzy Boy. <gasps> the Fuzzy Boy! The Wheat Wheat. Um, <laughs> and so uh, all three of which are some of my favorite Jedi, mostly because they're just so different. Uh, you know, so fun to watch. Yeah, well, like we talked about, like I'm, I'm, ne- I'm more attracted to alien Jedi just because of the fact that they're different. They're just, yeah, they're just not old guys in robes. They're, they're really, they really show the the vibrance and creativity of the galaxy, and you know, it just shows that the Force really is something spread out for everyone. Listen, if I wanted to see an old guy in a robe, I'd FaceTime my dad. <laughs> Oh, it's true though. Um, <laughs> but it's great to see uh, these guys, and and also it's nice because uh, Talls and Ethorians were featured in the cantina scene, and so it's it's nice um, to see them go from drunks to Jedi. Uh, they're not the same dude. Um, That's just every time the cantina is mentioned, I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. Um, so <laughs> some deets, some details, the some four one one on uh, these dudes. They have some really fun inspiration for their names. Do you remember Disney Channel four one one? Sorry. Keep no, going. no, I don't. Um Vulvafman name resembles that of the let me adjust my glasses for this one. <laughs> I have to say this right because otherwise it's gonna sound bad. Uh no. Shustavian. Shustavian. You have to say that one carefully. Shustavian. This is a family-friendly prod- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast. It's a fa- <laughs> it's a family-friendly. Oh, <laughs> it's a family-friendly podcast. I've had too much Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, like really though. <laughs> I'm just gonna call him uh, Wolf Peoples. Um, but his name resembles that of the Wolf Man appearing in A New Hope. Uh, from which his creation is obviously inspired. Yes. So they just basically make it more Star Warsy, where it's, which is nice because going back, like if you look at some of the Cantina characters, you've got Wolfman, you've got Devilman, you've got Yak Face, you've got you've got the head of IG eighty eight. <laughs> well, but, but the names for these guys back then were just so generic and simple, um, and so to make it more Star Warsy, they just make it. Wolfman. They basically asked a Russian guy to say Wolfman. Yeah, it's like uh, your one of your I, favorite characters in Gundam, like Wolf. Who? Wolf. It, like you told me to say it a certain way once. Like his name is Wolf, but you say Wolf. Oh man, I can't think of it. <gasps> you can't think of a Gundam. Well, not a Gundam. A, a, a person. A person. I can't remember. Um, but. Either way, I think they their intent was to say, say all right, what's a Transylvanian accent of Wolfman? Blah, 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 Wolf. Wolfman. Which uh, is how so, you say wolf in German. Wolf. Yeah. See, so I think I think that was kind of the inspiration, is yeah. they wanted it to sound like a German accent to be even more meta. Um, <laughs> wolf. Uh, so anyway, so uh, he was inspired by the Wolfman um who appeared in the cantina scene and the Wolfman obviously is also a 1941 film featuring the uh, character, uh, 
it's funny. I, so I, I got this off the Wikipedia. It's funny how it says the character in the Wolfman 1941 film appears similar to the Wolfman species of Star Wars, as if Star Wars came first. Yeah, I know that's not what they intend, but it, but but the wording of it makes it up for interpretation. Is yeah. that anyway? <laughs> uh, so then we've got Roran Korob. Uh, named after Ron Cobb, the name of the concept artist who designed the Athorian species for the cantina scene. Look at Deep that. cut reference there. Wow. And then we've got Fao Mandama, who's named after a Middle Eastern fava bean dish. Delish. Named after food. He's a Saiyan. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh So... Just interesting stuff. Like I love yeah. diving into how did these guys get their name? Where did the species come from? All this kind of cool yeah. stuff. So also, I'm pretty sure I just clipped the microphone with my kakarot. <laughs> you might have. Um, the The story for these episodes was actually taken for early concepts of a novel called Labyrinth of Evil, which follows a sort of similar uh, storyline. Uh, Roran and Fowl do appear in that, but they are not as heavily involved. They're actually killed pretty quickly. <laughs> um, like you do. The book is a good, it's a good read. It's by, um, James Lucino, who recently did, uh, Catalyst, um, which was a prequel for Rogue One, mm-hmm. um, of the beginnings of the Death Star and Prequel Krennic of and all a that prequel. Stuff. How about that? Yeah. Um, so, and, and James Lucinu did several other books as well, but I mean, it's a very interesting book and it's another way to read these kinds of events. Uh, it also has Anakin and Obi-Wan on some other uh, convoluted adventure while this is happening. Uh, but they love doing that. Yeah. But it also features Kit Fisto uh, in the battle against Grievous um, it, as an addition, which would make sense because he would have been on Coruscant during the time. Um, Although in this, we only see, the only Jedi we see defending Coruscant are Mace Windu and Yoda on the ground and Sasi Tin in space with a cool sequence where they're like, so he shows up. As soon as he shows up, they're like, the ship's lost. Like, (laughs) I know you just got here, but this ship stinks. It's not working. And he's like, let's get a new one. And so he um, puts on a spacesuit and then they basically just pile out of the Venator class and hijack a droid ship because that's what you do right and so uh it's a cool sequence but it's also like okay you could have just you know gotten your ship and gone to another one but that's one way to do it buddy um but that's really his his only scene it's really cool though he doesn't really get any action in the next series he gets a few cameos in the 2008 series but nothing action oriented so yeah it's nice to have this in mind of something cool that he did other than die <laughs> at the hands of uh, Sidious. If you want to see a Jedi do something cool, watch the Clone Wars. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so if you want, uh, if you like this story, want to see another telling of it, there is the, the novel Labyrinth of Evil. Uh, it is a, it, it is a pretty, pretty decent read. It was one I've had on my shelf for a very, very long time. Um, I, I read it and, honestly never made the connections i just for some reason my brain compartmentalized it as one story and this is another and i guess didn't jump out oh wait this is the same story told differently (laughs) but anyway you like books 
Ray so Hook. the the main events of this, uh, other than the the defense of the city, is Shock T, Roran Crub, Roran Corb, uh, Fal Umdama, um, all trying to get the Chancellor to his bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, which there should have been a way more convenient way to do this. Should um, he should have just like had a trap door built into this the his th- uh, I want to say throne room. It's not a throne room yet, but into his uh, office mm-hmm. that would instantly take him there. Like, I but mean, he had to be picked up by the Jedi, literally. literally. Um, <laughs> but we get this great chase scene involving the the three Jedi and, and Palpatine. Um, and of course, since he's an old man and can't keep, you know keep up, uh, Fal Dama just carries him around everywhere. Yeah, which is um, adorable in itself. But and as you mentioned, lots of Palpatine sass. Just uh, great props to the voice actor for this because it just feels so Palpatine. It's just you know like Shakti's like we have to go, and he's like, oh nonsense! I'm just going to sit here and sip my tea. And then yes. Grievous shows up, and he's like. How dare you break my window? Like it's just, it's so stupid. And he, you know he's enjoying it though. He is. He's just well, having so much fun. And that's the thing is because he knows, yeah. like he knows Grievous isn't going to hurt him. He knows how it's all going to end. Yeah. So he's just he's, he's just already having, won. This is the first time we really see him just funning it, just being yeah. like, "I'm just going to enjoy this. I, I I'm yeah. winning. I know what's <laughs> happening." Um, but uh, so there, it involves them trying to escape with the Chancellor. Uh, we get tons of great choreography in action, especially as they escape, uh, Grievous's Magna Guards show up. And so there's this great sequence where we're in it like a train station and they're constantly bouncing over and uh, dodging trains while also fighting off these Magna Guards. It's just really cool sequence. And um, essentially there's uh, a point where they split up. So Roran and Fowl take Chancellor Palpatine and head to the bunker and Shot T stays behind unnecessarily. Yes. To fight the Magna Guard. Like you could have just they were walking down the train tunnel. Exactly. You could have gotten on the train and just <laughs> gone. Like they would not have gotten to you. Um and then she would have just died like everybody else. Spoiler alert. Um but so she stays behind to fight the Magna Guards. The one good thing of it, as unnecessary as it is, we get great a great fight scene. Yes, we do. That's Sh- a fantastic fight. Shock T is made out as such a fighter. Like, she is just... She's awesome. Yeah, like, the these scenes, I think I've said it on Twitter somewhere else, like, these are the definitive Shock T scenes for me. Like, when yeah. I think of Shock T as a character, I think of this. This, this just sort of... No nonsense, just kick butt, take names, you know, Jedi master. Uh, it, it really shows why she's on the council, kind of like, you yeah. know, she's obviously powerful. Um, like she was there to kick butt and drink milk, and she ran out of milk pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also lost her lightsaber, so that we get another cool scene of yeah. Jackie Chan style kind of fighting as she looks yeah. to get her lightsaber. <laughs> Gindy Tartakovsky loves that. <laughs> just like, yeah. oh no, my lightsaber. Which I guess I have to use my hands. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure that's just from his Samurai Jack vibe too. I think that yeah. he there just, he loves so that, that design, that kind of culture and, yeah. and choreography style and whatnot. Couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, and so, over overall, Shakti's made out to be really powerful and and just admirable. Like, yeah. 
Um, ultimately, uh, the Chancellor arrives with the two Jedi, Fowl and Roran, only to find the Grievous is waiting there. Yeah. Which, when you think about it, how do you get it get there? Hello there. You know, he he obviously <laughs> knew where to go from Palpatine. Yeah. Um, and so we get this great sequence where Roran and Fowl try to defend themselves, but much in the vein of like just when you think Grievous can't get any more bad, like uh, then we get the reveal that he can separate his arms and have four, mm-hmm. and so he's like he's got them. Parried with two already, and then the other two come out and get the other sabers. And Which then, is awesome. yeah, it's a great like, oh crap scene. Like, yeah. as if he could not get cooler. <laughs> um, so uh, sadly, Roran and Fowl are killed, and of course, Palpatine's captured. Shakti shows up just in time for one more sassy line because Palpatine's like, "Oh, yay, you've come to save me." It's just like, yeah, <laughs> a, just again, Thanks. like, oh. You know, we didn't talk about that delightful elevator scene. What about it? Oh, yes, yes. So there's when when Grievous first uh, breaks into uh, into Palpatine's office. Um, first of all, Shakti, knowing how evil uh, Grievous was and what he was capable of, told the clone troopers to handle it so they could get the <laughs> chancellor out of there. Just like... Hey, you know, give it your best. I'm sure you can do it. We can make more. Dead. All dead. It's like Bothans in here. <laughs> um, but while we're hearing the slaughter of these clone troopers, um, you know, Shakti hits the button for the elevator, and then, you know, the the noise gets louder of these clone troopers just getting killed. And so Roran, the uh, Athorian just presses the button like five more times, like, <laughs> come on, hurry up. And then just takes matters into his own hands. And yeah. in a scene that gave me trypophobia. <laughs> it was really cool because, I mean, I, that was the introduction of that, I believe. I don't think that was common of their species yeah. uh, until that featured. It, it was gross, whatever it was. But um, so essentially he just roared very loudly. Um, and Shakti mentions that they have four throats. Yeah, um, like there's a whole cute little moment in an elevator where, you know, Palpatine's just being held like a baby and staring. <laughs> oh, he wasn't, be- well, he wasn't being held at that point. He was, oh. he was standing. He, oh, he, gotcha. could, he was a big boy. He could stand. He was a big um, boy. But he's just kind of like. He is just in it. Okay. All right. Yeah. And right. so. Yeah. Um, Four throats. Here's the thing. I don't care yeah. how many throats you have. You can't do what he did. <laughs> but cool. Cool. I, th- I, in my mind, I feel like. How many throats do you have? One. <gasps> um, in my mind, he he helped project that with the force. Yeah, that's how I've always kind of thought of it. Is because I I yeah. don't I don't see because I mean he does it a second time and he's literally ripping up tiles from the the ground like. Yeah. Um, maybe it was the force. Maybe it was his stage presence. Or maybe he just had really bad gas. Oh. <laughs> um, it's like if you were. If I burped, yeah. that would be my force power. <laughs> Super burps. Um, it is your force power. But but yeah, so just several little great uh, points throughout the the ordeal. Just a great sequence in general. The, these are arguably some of my favorite parts of the second season. Uh, really close to the season one finale in terms of my favorites. Mostly due to Grievous. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, here we've got the great addition of other uh, Jedi species and such, but 
Um, it essentially ends with uh, Grievous tying up Shakti and leaving her there, I guess, to send the message of, haha, I got him. I, I'm pretty sure he could have killed him. Because Mace Windu shows up and mm-hmm. she's like, I failed. I'm pretty sure we could have told, I, we could have figured that out by the dead bodies on the floor. Yeah. Didn't really need to leave Shakti. <laughs> But we get this great thing. If you've ever wondered why Grievous has a cough, we get this great thing at the end where Grievous is escaping with Palpatine and Mace Windu just pops up just out of nowhere. Just, uh, and he, in an effort to do something to stop him, uh, Gre- well, Grievous arms himself. He he gets ready to take on Mace Windu. <laughs> arms himself. <laughs> um, He's well armed. And... Mace Windu reaches out and uses the force to crush his chest, like to crush his uh, artificial chest. His chestular region, yeah. Yeah, and so it's this interesting idea of he's got lung damage because of that, which is why he's coughing. It, it's just, you didn't need that. That's a lot of damage. That's a lot of damage. Um, <laughs> flex tape could not save that. Um, <laughs> I saw this pad one in half. You know what I just thought about that? What? Darth Vader's entire suit is flex tape. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Phil Swift here with flex tape. Did you saw your Padawan in half? That's the job for flex tape. Um, flex tape. What? How would you feel if our first sponsor was, was fle- flex oh, tape? Oh, I would be so happy. Okay. That'd be fantastic. You, what you're witnessing now over the airwaves is something that happens in our everyday life. Yeah, is, we, we just commonly reference that commercial. Yeah, just like he'll it, turn to me and say, you know, that's a lot of damage. <laughs> if you, okay, to catch up, if you don't know, just YouTube flex tape commercials. Watch all of them. You will not be disappointed. There's a new one. Yes, we need to watch that. We do. Um, anyway, all right, so... <laughs> we love Flex Tape. I thought it was... I just thought it was it, it was unnecessary, but really interesting that he started... He thought... He coughs. Why does he cough? Yeah. That, like, that's just a great creative mind where you see a little detail like that and you want to answer it. Yeah. Um, he has really bad sinuses. Right. Yeah, because he has none. <laughs> um, Doesn't have a throat. Pretty sure it, it in canon. There's a some explanation. I don't know, but uh, it was a really cool little little point. I've always I always thought that was interesting. Um, but let's talk about Shakti a little bit before we uh, close because Shakti's end is very convoluted. Yeah. So Shakti's fate at the end of this adds another sort of weird twist to what happens to her. So in the original concept for Revenge of the Sith, uh, she was to be killed by Grievous on the Invisible Hand in order to enrage Obi-Wan and Anakin. And that's originally how they get stuck in the race shields is because they uh, he kills Shakti and they go after him and then they get trapped in the race shields or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was a deleted scene essentially. but So originally, if this had played out, Instead of leaving her, he would have captured her as well and then killed her on board. Mm-hmm. Used her as insurance, essentially. Yeah. Uh, that was taken out. The second concept for the film um, was detailed that uh, it was also shown in the novel and the Lego Star Wars game that has her killed in the Jedi Temple by Anakin. Yeah. Um, or Darth Vader, if you want to get technical. Um, both scenes, though, are deleted scenes um, that can be found on the 
the extras menu of the uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Um, but then we also get, so in the game The Force Unleashed, one of the Jedi that Starkiller hunts down is Shakti. Hmm. She's on planet Felucia with uh, Maris Brood, and she's essentially killed there. So three different deaths. <laughs> She gets knocked down, but she gets up again. Right. Just, like, keeps on ticking. She's on the climax. What's confirmed to be canon is um, that she was killed by Anakin. Yes. Um, in a vision of Yoda's during the sixth season of the Clone Wars and confirmed in the 2016 reference book, we see that, yes, she was, in fact, detailed to have been killed in the Jedi Temple by Anakin Skywalker. With the lightsaber. Yes. I went at Clue. Um, there... I, I think it was in the reference book where it details she was meditating. Hmm. During the middle of the Jedi Purge, she's meditating. Oh. So, Shakti. just terrible timing. Um, but he just sneaks up and, yeah. and stabs her. And, and, and uh, but. Well, you know, like meditating was probably code for taking a nap. <laughs> probably. That's how I meditate. Um,. One cool thing is she does get a cameo in Star Wars comics number nine, um, where Luke finds a holocron of her warning to not let this be the end of the Jedi. So um, Hmm. I'm wondering if maybe she didn't record that and then decided to meditate and try and warn people, warn nearby Jedi. She could reach out and just, you know, say, hey, something bad is happening. Also, Luke did not listen to that. Uh, He did at that (laughs) point. Um, but he finds it in the collection of Graxus the Hutt, um, who collects Jedi artifacts, um, which was really interesting. I wonder who he's related to. Some hut. <laughs> Some hut. Some hut somewhere. Um, it was an it was an interesting cameo though. So I guess yeah. we're led to believe she recorded the holocron, and then instead of calling people and being like, "Hey, things are going, you know, crazy," <laughs> she decides I'm going to meditate. Let's let's find out what Jesus would think about this. <laughs> right. And dead. So the moral of the story is don't meditate. You'll die. Uh, Anakin will sneak up behind you and kill you. Well, that escalated quickly. Yes. That, that is the lesson for today, though. <laughs> uh, no, but it was just, it was just interesting it, how convoluted it was. Like, they could not decide how to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did love the um, Force Unleashed part though because again it showed her off to be a very skilled fighter and everything it was really cool mm-hmm. um but that whole thing is legends now but uh it's good to know we can rest at ease knowing how she died yeah so if, if it was keeping you up at night <laughs> um now you know now it but is. now it is so but that is the 2003 clone wars micro series that's that's everything. Well, not yeah. everything, but that's the good stuffs. Yeah. There's some details we probably didn't cover, but yeah. uh, that's that. In conclusion. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to do that. Yeah, but uh, yes. So in yeah. conclusion. Uh, so what w- so what did you think of the series as a whole? I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a very like milk toast way to say it, but yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it more than I thought I would which is kind of terrible to say, but yeah, it wasn't boring. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, when you kind of pitch it, 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 it's like, it's one of those, you have to watch it to really decide. Yeah. Cause when you pitch it to someone or when, when you hear what it is, you're, 
your brain just kind of goes like, mm, yeah. I'm sure you think it's cool, but, but then you watch it and it, you know, yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. Go ahead. No, you, what really kept me watching was the art style. Definitely. The art style is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I love Gendy Tartakovsky's other work. So it wasn't really surprising that I would like that. Yeah. Um, that's a, that is a huge appeal for me. Yeah. Uh, for the series. Like a lot of this nostalgia just comes from the, the, the design, the style, the art. Uh, yeah. It's just a lot of that is still definitive art like star wars for me and that's what keeps me watching a lot of series it's just like looking back and being like oh that's pretty yeah i can see that and and here it's a great testament what of the scale you can accomplish with little yeah you know gindy didn't have huge production he didn't have a whole lot no. i mean it wasn't like you could just say star wars and get millions of dollars for it he, you know he had five minutes each each time to tell a story yeah. and managed to do so very very well yeah great choreography great music um good job and yeah absolutely five thumbs up i don't have that many i do dun 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 no who did i marry (laughs) um an octopus apparently (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's just it's a really great series and you know being the first clone wars i was introduced to there's just a whole lot of nostalgia tied up with it so the great thing is, is this, you know, as I've mentioned, there's, I don't have a lot of headcanon where it's like, this isn't, but I treat it as canon, yeah. but this is definitely in my headcanon of this, these stories happened. Yeah. Um, probably the only one that's not essential headcanon is the whole spirit journey on Navalian. Yeah. That one I can take or leave, but regardless... That was just a weird peyote trip for Anakin. <laughs> yeah, so the rest of it, though, it's there. Like, for me, when I think of where Grievous came... Like, Grievous's first encounter with a Jedi, I think of these episodes. When I think yeah. of Shock T, you know, I think of these episodes. So a lot of this, for me, is still there. Like, where did Ventress come from? Because in Clone Wars, you're going to see next week, we just jump in and there she is. Yeah. This is, for me, where she came from. Um, so, you know, and, until it's otherwise filled in with absolute canon content, a lot of this for me is, it's still there. You know, it's real to me, dang it. Uh, so. <laughs> Let me have fun, mom. Right. Um, you know, and it's just, it, that's the beauty of Star Wars. You can, your canon can be what you like. Um, I like these, yeah. so they are part of my canon. They are just as uh factual to me as canon of course yeah a lot of the legends like the details of ventress's origin the details of grievous's origin you know obviously those things aren't they don't carry over yeah but the the action is still there you know yeah. ventress being recruited on rat attack ventress you know um going after encountering and encountering anakin on yavin um grievous battling kiati on hypori those things for me are still there. Whether yeah. or not the legends, like the origin stories are the same, um, the details of this for me are the same. Yeah. And at the end of the day, a wise man once said, it's fake and in space. <laughs> like, yes. let's be real. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, but that, but hopefully, I know um, Rebecca out there and I know Michael Johnson. Hi, um, Rebecca. Y'all 
were kind of catching into this for the first time, seeing this for the first time. So if it was your first time, would love to hear what you thought. It's going to be very hard for you guys to find a lot of things where we don't at the end say there was here and there's, but otherwise it was great. You yeah. know, so, it, <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting to hear. Maybe you hated it. Maybe you didn't like it, um, but would love to hear back from you what you thought if it was your first time. Maybe if you haven't seen it in a few years, what do you think now? Um, yeah. Having hopefully seen the other Clone Wars series. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd be just interesting to kind of start that conversation. And if you haven't seen uh, the other Clone Wars series, watch along with us. Yes. Good transition. You're welcome. So, yes, next week starts the real Clone Wars rewatch. Um, and so we'll begin the 2008 series. Yes. Um, which you also haven't really seen. I mean, you've seen a few episodes, but you quickly gave up on it. Now yes. you're committing. <laughs> you're going all the way. You know, bringing it to home. <sighs> All 121 episodes and maybe another 30. Pray for me. <laughs> um, if you liked this, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll like it. Yeah. Um, it I'm sure they'll be there here and there episodes. But So next week, um, as a uh, look ahead. So what we'll start, if you want to watch along with us. Uh, you may have already started your rewatch, but just know that we're doing ours chronological. So we'll begin with Season 2, Episode 16, Cat and Mouse. Then we'll have Season 1, Episode 16, Hidden Enemy. And then the 2008 theatrical Clone Wars movie. So that's all of what we're going to talk about in our first episode because all of that encompasses the Christophsis Crisis arc. Christophsis Crisis. That sounds yes. like if all the Chris's got together and made a movie. <laughs> um, the yes. Crisis. Uh, I if you want to know what our schedule looks like, I'm going to put it on Patreon as well, but it is already on Twitter. If you um, just go through our images, you'll find our calendar for the Clone Wars rewatch. So you can see what the chronological order looks like. Some of the arc names are ones I've created. I just made to be able to title them as something. Yeah. Um, but if you want to keep up with what we're watching, if you want to know in advance what to watch, uh, then you can find those images on uh, Twitter. If you can't find them and you want them, just message us. We'll get it to you. Yeah. Um, but it'll definitely end up on Patreon soon if you want to follow us there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, do your homework. Check it out. Come back next week to hear what we thought and to hear yeah. what Megan thinks of the next Clone Wars. The Clone Wars. The Clone Wars. So, Begun um, the Clone Wars has. Yes. So I think it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. I already love the series. I'm looking forward to rewatching it for the fifth time. Wow. Yeah. You have a lot of free time. No, I just, I usually will like on my days off, I would often just put on the Clone Wars and do something else. Like I clean the house or work on something and just have that going. Hmm. Um, but this is going to be the first time doing chronological for me. Not probably going to make a huge difference mm -hmm. but it does add a little new flair yeah it'll probably make some some kind of difference for me yes it'll be much nicer for you because otherwise it gets very confusing of wait that guy died what's yeah. he doing back uh so hopefully who are these people <laughs> hopefully there'll be none of that but yeah hopefully you guys um, on the other side of the microphone, we'll join us next week for that. Hopefully you've enjoyed these first two episodes. Let us know what you think of the 2003 series. Let us know uh, some of your favorite parts. Yeah. Uh, and we look forward to journeying through and rewatching uh, 
the Clone Wars with you beginning next week. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. going to be fun. So, but uh, until then, this has been your herd leader, John Wayne. Your herd mom, Megan. And your herd cat. <laughs> and your herd cat. She's asleep now, thankfully. Uh, but she wishes you, I'm sure, uh, a good evening and a fond farewell. And I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. May the force be with you. <laughs>